Welcome to the Obsession Digression, a podcast that explores all of the cultural things we're obsessed with. I'm Sam Benarchik, and I'm Katie Walker, and we are we are muted today. We are kind of a uh, well. Wait, hold on. Quick question. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> right as we were about to hit record, did you just say I was up all night last night? Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm fancy as fuck, and what? I wanted to make. Uh, How do you go together? Uh, well, obviously they go together. Um, so they go together because I wanted to again make the German chocolate cake from scratch. So are you I was again up- gonna eat it with a fork alone? <laughs> no, this time I'm having a. That sounded like I was making fun of you, but I truly think that's like a heavenly experience. It sounds yeah, like. it really. I mean, nothing can top that. Nothing can. But this time I'm having people over. So I knew that today was going to be very busy, and mm-hmm. I wanted to make a lot of the stuff ahead of time. So I made uh, German chocolate cake from scratch. I made peach cobbler. I made uh, sour cream chicken oh, enchiladas. Love... Oh, my God. Yeah. This sounds so good. Yeah. Is this like a Friendsgiving thing or unrelated to the holiday? Uh, no, just uh, just having, um, you know, a, a colleague over and, you know, want to, like, show him a good time kind of thing, right? I feel like. <laughs> show him a good you time. Know? woo them just a little bit uh no but um yeah so i was i wasn't up i mean i did get some sleep but not not a ton of sleep not nearly Uh, enough not nearly enough and then i had panera for lunch today because i was like i can't like make myself food right now uh and so i'm in like a bread coma um, oh, because that's that's all they, coma, they serve. <laughs> like they they literally do not serve anything but bread there. So I just dude yeah. that was like not to equate Panera to France, but when I got back from Paris, like I felt like I was having like actual carb withdrawals. You know what I mean? Where <laughs> yeah. At any point of the day, I was like, oh my god, I need bread. <laughs> like, I need a muffin. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've been going through this kind of bread-like thing where um, I'm on this mission to make the perfect muffin, and oh. I just keep what failing. What brought this about? Uh, just because, I don't know. I, I mean, who knows where these things come about, but I think it was just like me getting mad at paying, you know, like five bucks for a muffin every morning, and I was like, all mm-hmm. right, I can make like 12 muffins. That's enough for Ryan and I during the week. Like, I can do this. And oh, so- yeah. What's we, your go-to muffin? Probably blueberry, but I've tried. Ooh, I've tried blueberry, blueberry. I've tried pumpkin. Tried the cranberry um, with the orange. Just no, banana's yeah. bullshit. No. What? No. Wait, what? Yeah. Banana's bullshit. Even bread. Yeah. Even bread. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, Katie! <laughs> banana bread is like my favorite. No, I mean you throw I can some make... chocolate chips in there. Ugh. It's just like let's take a thing that's already mushy and put it in another thing that's mushy, and it's like. It's just well, yeah, there's no surprises. Thing. But isn't yeah, that the same with pumpkin? Uh, yeah, but you've got, like, the cinnamon vibe going on. I guess you're doing banana muffins, too, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm not a fan. No, this I'm is good to fan. know. This is good to know. No also, sauces, no banana pastries. No. <laughs> banana well, I also, like, I have had to, as I've gotten older, um, because, like, I have, I have, like, blood sugar things where, like, if I don't eat you know consistently i will pass out like i have like fainted in class before like that sort of thing so uh i'm i'm on a very like regimented yeah yeah this was um 
when was this? This was like four years ago. I just like hadn't had enough food or something. Blood sugar just like tanked and I like fainted. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, I never knew this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was fine, but you know, it was horribly embarrassing. So, um, but anyways, that's all to say. So I'm very regimented now with what I eat. And so every single day, like without fail, I eat two bananas, plain bananas uh, in the morning. And then okay. like around 11, That's I eat a, a muffin. That's a lot of bananas in then, your life. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. So anyways, this is so boring and it's so like homemaker. No, like, I love but, pumpkin muffins. So you can talk about yeah. pumpkin. Yeah. Let's keep <laughs> this conversation going. <laughs> okay, good. Because I'm, I'm obsessed with this idea that there has to be like the perfect one out there, but I have yet to like fully craft it because it's either that all of the fruit fell to the bottom. So then I did research on like why that happened and I, fi- oh, I fixed that Oh, if you coat it in a little bit of flour, right? It yeah. like doesn't fall. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or it's too sweet or uh, like one of them called for, you know, like a certain type of sugar, but then the sugar didn't fully dissolve. And so it was too like, there, there's, there was just things wrong with it, right? And so I'm getting closer and closer and I'm basically taking like five separate muffin recipes and using various techniques to combine them all into the said perfect muffin recipe. And I'm almost Wait, there, but I'm not quite there. Did we ever talk about this? That like one of my dream jobs would be to work in a test kitchen, like doing exactly this. Oh yeah? Um, yes, how fun would that be? Just to apply the fun. scientific method to like making food. To be like, yeah. okay, we're, we've come up with like 20 different variations on like the blueberry muffin recipe and we're going to test these out very methodically and discuss like pros and cons until we figure it out. Yeah. That's, no, that's so my, fun to me. Yeah. No, that's that's what I'm kind of doing except like in obviously in like smaller One at a time. Yeah. <laughs> batches over elongated time. And so I can only, if, if we're like doing the math here, like I, I will only ever be able to like fully master like you know, like 30 dishes in a lifetime, basically. <laughs> you know? Choose like, carefully. It, yeah. it takes me forever to do. Um, but I've got the, you know, I've got the chocolate chip cookies down, so no worries there. Got muffins down. I hate cooking meat. That's my thing. I hate, like, oh, there's me so too. many variables. I and, totally like, agree. I, I, I'm so afraid of, you know, like, E. coli, salmonella, all of that stuff that, like, I can't, like, whenever I cook meat, uh, I can't not, like, wash everything at least, like, ten times after and, like, during the process. And so it's just, like, it's way too anxiety-provoking for me to even just, like, have a packet of chicken breast. And then (laughs) when you get to the actual (laughs) cooking part, it's, like... Am I gonna burn it? Am I gonna undercook it's it? It's so if I... easy to fuck up, yeah. And also, yeah. like, I can never understand. Like, everyone's like, "Oh, here's the easy way to remember." It's like press your thumb against like your other palm to test, like that's how fleshy it should feel, or something. Or like put the back of a spoon on the chicken breast, and depending on how much it bounces back, that's how you know how much time is left. And <laughs> I'm like, I've I'm never heard trying that. to do this and I, it all looks the same to me. <laughs> like, right. I can't eyeball like resistance or bounciness. Yeah, and then I, like you just feel like a fool because like now you're just pawing up your, your chicken for no reason, like. <laughs> you're manhandling those chicken breasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like every, so. so my sister and I, um, when I lived on the East Coast, we would cook 
Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners together for the family. And now we do Christmas still. I just don't get back for Thanksgiving. Um, mm-hmm. And we've been we did like pork loin <laughs> last Christmas. And, okay. you know, the package is like, oh, yeah, throw it in the oven. It's going to take like, I think it was like 25 or 35 minutes. And we were at like 35 minutes. So we put the thermometer in and it was like conservatively like 30 degrees lower than it needed to be. <laughs> and oh, so no. then you just feel this anxiety where you're like, did I fuck up? Like, do I prioritize how long it's been in the oven or like the internal thermometer? Exactly. And so we ended up cooking it like twice as long until it hit that temperature. It was great. It was like really good. But it's just weird because... I just left that experience going like, well, what was the variable that like led to like (laughs) such a radical difference in cook time? I know. And then like you can't like there's not like a Julia Childs there to be like, oh, well, here's exactly what you did wrong. Right. Oh, I was really Um, hoping you'd do a Julia Child voice. Oh, I can't. I can't do it. I can't either. There was one guy I waited tables with who could do a really funny Julia Child voice. But oh, really? Oh, only person I can think of. Oh, and Meryl Streep, I guess. But. Yeah, I guess so. And Julia Childs could do it too. <laughs> sorry, she, that was a. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. I'm sorry. I'm, I like my 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 bread coma slash like lack of sleep is just like my level. Like, I blame Panera for be, this. <laughs> it's gonna be pretty pretty bad. So uh, just get ready for it. It's yeah, it's all that. So so what what are you doing for Thanksgiving if you're if you're not going home? Are you doing like a friendsgiving thing? Or are you gonna Mm-hmm. Make a German chocolate cake by yourself and eat it. What are you gonna do? Ooh, no! I wish I thought of that sooner, but too late. Already RSVP'd. Yes. So, <laughs> Damn it! Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe I can fake illness. Um, no, my friend did invited me over for Thanksgiving, so he's a good friend of mine who's just like uh, also in the mission. Um, his mom and brother are flying in from New York, so. Cool. Um, it was so funny though because he was he invited me and I was like yeah I'd love to I said what should I make or bring he goes oh no we're doing everything and I said friend I cannot show up empty handed to a Thanksgiving mm. dinner that's just yeah <laughs> it no. goes against everything every part of me so he goes yeah. okay well we're essentially doing like a Mexican Thanksgiving so whatever you think goes well with that and <gasps> I was like oh well uh I uh <laughs> I don't know what goes wrong with Mexican Thanksgiving. So I have to like do research this weekend. Oh, I've got so many ideas for you. Is it you Mexican do? or or Tex Mex or like what do you know? Is there is does this, this friend is, have okay, a distinct me... idea of the difference or not? I'm gonna pull up I'm gonna pull up the text. We're gonna workshop this right now. Oh, excuse me, okay. Spanish thanks Spanish Thanksgiving. Um, okay. Because he's Dominican. It wouldn't make sense for it to be Mexican. Um, oh, okay. Turkey, rice, beans, plantains, empanadas, and then bread pudding. Oh, okay. That's easy, dude. Okay. You can do guacamole, right? <laughs> like just bring in yep. some chips. No, I'm don't laugh at this. This is great. This is this is a great idea. So you could bring in so, uh, some guac. <laughs> so some guacamole. No, it's a great, great side to go with everything, right? Uh, you mm-hmm. could bring in Let's see here. So he said rice and, and beans. So he's got rice and rice, beans, beans covered. Rice, beans, plantains, and empanadas. Wait, okay. how do you feel about plantains? Because they're like banana adjacent. I love plantains. Yeah. I'm okay with, I'm okay with like fried plantains. Yeah. I, I, yeah, well, they're all right. They're all right. Maybe like, uh, like a, something like sweet potato-y or purple potatoes, like since there's no mashed potatoes. 
no, that's a terrible idea. It is? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to eat potatoes when they have rice and beans? No one. Uh, I prefer potatoes to rice. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, Yeah, Polish party of one over here, so. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, No, what about... What about some queso? <laughs> what about some salsa? What about some... These are not good ideas. <laughs> well, neither is a sweet potato. <laughs> You're like, I'm thinking um, maybe uh, some chalupas or uh, maybe a, a couple of cheesy gordita crunches. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. These are legitimate sides that go with Mexican food that are good. No, and you're, I don't I'm sorry. It's, you said Spanish, not Mexican. That was my fault. I'm misleading. Okay, you. okay. So See, maybe, and I don't oh, know maybe Spanish. Maybe something with chorizo. I make. I've made chorizo stuffing in the past. Oh, chorizo, chorizo is so is good. Spanish. I know. Okay, maybe I'll do that. Chorizo is like the best. One of oh, my my top. It is three like meats. easily one of my favorite foods. Period. Yeah. You can make anyway, okay, but I'm, you can make the I'm queso like, and then you can put the chorizo in the queso. Oh, the chorizo and queso. It's so good, dude. It's so just no the stuffing? only thing you have to be you have to be careful because chorizo is a greasy meat. And so you have to you know, you have to be aware of the, the grease to Yeah, cheese maybe ratio. like wrap it up in some cheesecloth first, get some of that uh Yeah, yeah oil out of there. Mm-hmm. Now we're cooking with gas. <laughs> yes. Wait, have I told you about own... my saga around that idiom? No. Someone I, I said that this. recently, and someone was like, uh, "Cooking with gas," and they were like, <laughs> "Do you mean cooking with fire?" And I was like, so embarrassed. I was like, "Oh, have I been saying this wrong for like a decade <gasps> now?" And so I was like, "Oh, I guess so." <laughs> and I was like, "I just played." I was like, "Yeah, that was stupid of me. I guess it's cooking with fire." And then I said that to someone else, and they were like, "Wait, cooking with fire? It's cooking with gas." <laughs> And I was like, okay, the general San Francisco public needs to make up their mind. I know. You're like, damn it. Just pick one so that I can go with it, right? Oh, no. Yeah, so but no, sh- then my friend Chris made a great point. He's like, well, no, cooking with fire came first. That was like original cooking. So cooking with gas is the improvement. <laughs> so, yeah, it's more efficient. Thought, okay. Yep. Yeah. That's a really compelling case. Now I can say it with confidence. No, I would too. And it's. I just think it's catchier too. Cooking with I gas. Know. It makes you sound like you're dangerous somehow. Cooking with gas. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I'm into it, though. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we should. We should have a cooking podcast where you know a lot (laughs) and I know nothing. Okay. No, that is so untrue because, like, do you remember? I think we've talked about this before, but, like, my big reveal um, or, like, my big event one, one year was, like, uh, cooking for you and all of our friends, um, what I call sausage tortillas, right? Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. Like that's that is like my go-to, and so like my level of being okay. Here's the here's the problem. It's it's the same as with like just scholarship in general, but it's it's the same kind of like psychological issue, right? Which is that like I want to eat sausage tortillas, but I want to be able to make you like. Uh, you know, like, I don't know, French stew or something, right? Like, I want to make, like, mm-hmm. cassoulet, right? So I want to be able to do the cassoulet thing, but, I mean, I don't really want to eat the cassoulet. I want to really eat the sausage tortilla. 
Dude, this is so true. This resonates so much. Because at the end of the day, like, I worked, you know, as you know, like, I worked in fine dining, like, all through college. Mm-hmm. And we had to, like, taste every menu. It changed seasonally. So we'd have to come in on a, like, Sunday morning and they'd cook everything. And we'd all have forks and, like, taste it. And they explain how everything was made, what can be taken out, what can't. Because you had to know mm-hmm. all this. And I felt like I was really good at, like, picking up on flavors and things like that. And I thought, like, oh, I, be- I guess I have, like, a pretty solid palate. And that means, like, I'm kind of a foodie. <laughs> you yeah. know, I appreciate I appreciate good food or something. But, like, right. if you ask me now, like, I really just want street food. Like, yeah. 99 out of 100 times. Like, I want to go to a, a fancy restaurant, like, 0% of the time. Like, yeah. I'd much rather just, like, get something, like, it's easy and fast and just, like, yeah, like, what's the word? It's not, like, decadent or something, but it's just, like, yeah, I want something that has, like, these really punchy, bold flavors that's not refined. That's just mm-hmm. what I want. Yeah, and to get full, right? <laughs> yes. To, like, also, eating truly food. is, like, an animal act to me. You know what yes. I mean? Like, there's this is no place for, like, refined manners. <laughs> Right. And also, exactly. yeah, if like if there's one thing that pisses me off, it's like going to a fancy meal and leaving hungry, which happens a lot. So. Oh no, isn't it weird how in our dating rituals we're like, okay, the 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 best like activity for us to do is to show you mashing things into my mouth. Like, who decided <laughs> that? That's like the sexiest thing that we could do, or like the like. Why is that? You know the like. I don't know, but that seems really counterintuitive to be like, I'm going to go meet this guy for the first time and watch me, like, slobber up some spaghetti, you know? Okay, well, I mean, maybe don't do spaghetti. (laughs) Also, never do dinner on a first date. First date is always, like, drinks or a drink. I always say grab a drink because if we get to the bar... Like, you know pretty quickly whether you want to continue talking to this person or not. And so mm-hmm. you go, okay, great. I've committed to a single drink. I am in and out of here in 45 if I need to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas if yeah. you're at dinner, like, you are locked in for, like, two hours. <laughs> if true. service is bad, that can be two and a half. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Okay. Yeah. Not that I need to know this, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Also, speaking of Ryan and speaking of cooking, do you remember that one time? This is so mean. I'm not ragging on him because he's the greatest human being. But we were all over your house playing video games. And he was talking about you had just gotten the chickens and they were laying eggs. And he was like, yeah, and the eggs are, like, amazing. And he's like, actually, why don't I just cook us all omelets? And we were like, really? That would be amazing. Um, He's like, yeah, like, you need to taste these eggs. They're so fresh, blah, blah. And he made omelets for you, me, and I think two other friends were there. And we we all took bites out of them. And they were, it was, like, the most overwhelmingly salty thing I've ever eaten. (laughs) And I I almost choked, and everyone made the same face. It was like, and we all just, like, quietly put our forks down. And then (laughs) he was in the other room, and he comes out, and he's like, were your eggs salty? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we can't we can't eat these, dude. Yeah. It was uh, so nice though. It was like the nicest gesture just to be like, I want you to share in like this bounty. Like these we got right. these hens are laying eggs. Uh But then he just like he dumped way too much salt in there and it was just uh, like we could not <laughs> eat them. It was so sad. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he's actually downstairs right now because he's in charge of... Oh, and I just realized that everything I suggested to you, by the way, like a minute ago, is exactly what I'm like we're making tonight. So maybe that's like part of it too. <laughs> so he's like downstairs making salsa, queso, and guacamole. Mm, um, I do love guacamole, so. though. Oh, it's so easy! It's the best. It's so easy to having, make. And are then we still having an avocado shortage? Is that still? I don't a know. Thing? I don't avocado know. Are we? Shortage. Yeah, do you remember the macamole like scandal? Yeah. It was like essentially okay, you do know. Why am I explaining? Um Well no, yeah. yeah. Well, it was just like uh, restaurants were like serving fake guacamole but not telling anyone because the avocado shortage was so bad. And then yeah. it came out and everyone was like by everyone I mean like like white ladies everywhere were like furious, but mm-hmm. Like, That's I really don't it. give a shit. <laughs> I know. I was like, well, if I didn't I'm notice, like, it's, it's fine. It's tastes good. Whatever. <laughs> that was like, I was at, um, I'm sorry if I already told this story before. I was, I went out to grab a drink with a friend of mine. This was right, he was a friend of mine from San Francisco. He moved to New York. And I think like right before we left, we were going out for drinks. And we got to this bar in San Francisco called Blackbird. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I just had this cocktail. You have to try it. And he goes, can we get two Mezcal Manhattans? And... The bartender, and of course, like, he probably refers to himself as, like, a mixologist or something stupid like that. Oh, no. And he was like, here's the thing. Um, Mezcal was not meant to be mixed in cocktails like that and turned into, like, a gimmicky ingredient. And it's because of people ordering drinks like this that we are having um, an overproduction, overconsumption of Mezcal. And that's going to lead to growing, (laughs) like, artificially made Mezcal that's going to be, like... Uh, worse quality and cheaper made and blah 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 and he's like so no I'd rather not make you those drinks what <laughs> and <laughs> I was so torn because I didn't really want to mezcal Manhattan I don't really like mezcal <laughs> so yeah but I was also like, like you wanted to be crisis like, averted angry. but also I was so angry and indignant that I wanted to be like well too fucking bad dude like we just ordered two mezcal Manhattan so you're gonna yeah, make them you for better- us <laughs> fucking make you should have like ordered it and then like as you were staring at him just like dumped it on the ground like in <laughs> you know yeah Whoops. also like yeah like i truly never order mezcal so like i'm not the problem here <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> if we're talking about like lifetime consumption of mezcal that would be like my third so we're right. fine right <laughs> Uh, What a snooty bartender. I ain't got time for that. But also, like, friend, like, you know, he ain't eating those sausage tortillas. Sorry. No. I I was like, what if we. What if we left, though, in that moment? And his manager was just like, bro, what are you doing? (laughs) You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, is this really the hill to die on right here? (laughs) Exactly. I love that phrase. Like, yeah, like, does Big Mezcal have you in their pocket? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know either. (sighs) I don't know. I don't know about (sighs) fancy foods. Don't know about some fancy drinks. Trying to learn it, you know, struggling. No, that's, yeah. So I haven't been back to that bar recently. I'm finding that, like, I'm going out for drinks, like, every night of the week, organically, and then, like, not by plan. And then I on the weekends, I just, like, sleep 
and like yes. get curmudgeonly and like become a recluse and I'm kind of loving this for myself. That's a good pattern. I think that's a really good yeah. pattern, right? Then you like Here's don't have to waste your whole Saturday being like, uh, later I have to go do something, right? Because like the thing is, yeah, is when I have my to do friends. something later, <laughs> like I then like the whole day is ruined. I just I can't I don't know I just oh like can't God. sit still. You and me are on the same page. This is why I work out first thing in the morning because I don't want yeah. it looming. Like even fun things like loom because or oh when I waited tables. That was the hardest thing for me, knowing that like my day, like work day, didn't start till like four or five o'clock, because right. the entire day felt like a countdown to that time. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I would rather just do it early, get it done with, and then like have mm-hmm. the, the rest of the time. I want a, a wide open uh, agenda. You know. Mhm. Mhm. Exactly. All right, we're on the same yeah. page here, which is good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. We do a podcast Although together. The, the downside is like what I've been saying is like, you know, this is really yeah. <laughs> That's why we're recording in well my morning. Sorry. Apologies <laughs> for such a, a radical time difference. Um, <laughs> That's not good. Um, that wasn't that was but, not me critiquing the time that we do our <laughs> podcast, by the way. That was not it. You're like, I've we, been waiting for the right opportunity to get that off my chest. No. And, <laughs> And like we did try one time and like to do it earlier and the result was hilarious. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that was Yeah, my roommates did not appreciate that. <laughs> but it's also true, one time we tried to record at like like ten o'clock at night and even though like we we're both awake, we were miserable. We like couldn't get any sort of mojo going. So it's this it's a magic, like right kind of beautiful time that we This found is the magic today. hour, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing too is I'm realizing, speaking of like later times and recording times, is that like one of the reasons I think that I'm finding myself naturally going out every night after work is because as soon as I get home, I just go to bed. Like mm-hmm. if I get home at six if I get home at nine if I get home at ten like it, I don't know if it's like neurological or what but once I walk through that apartment door I'm like ooh, time to turn in you know <laughs> I'm like time. I need to like keep myself out of the apartment <laughs> yeah well okay I'm same because here it gets dark at 4 30 like it is like super oh, dark I wonder if nighttime. That is part of, maybe that's part of it I didn't think about yeah. that yeah yeah so it's like my body is thinking like like every night, like we've been eating earlier and earlier, which is sad, <laughs> and like we've noticed it. And then every night it's like, you know, like we're done eating and it's like seven and I'm like, oh, it's time for bed. And Brian's like, no, like we still have like a good, like whole, you know, like afternoon yeah, significant block, block of time, yeah. Yeah, so, and I'm like, nah, I'm gonna go to bed. I'm gonna go yeah. sleep. <laughs> So. The other downside, though, is, like, my drinking has become more spaced out. So I have, like, a glass of wine or a drink. And mm. then Friday night, I went out and had multiple drinks. And oh, no. I was no longer in a place where I could handle that. <laughs> so I was very hungover the next day. Yeah. Oh, the hangovers. They've like, gotten worse. Damn it. Four tequilas. Yep. This is too much. Yeah. <laughs> hangovers have gotten worse as we get older. It's so oh, sad. Oh, my God. It's no joke. Yeah. And I have this like trick that I always use that's always, always worked for me where if I wake up hungover, I've been doing this since like my early 20s. Like, well, no, that's not true. I didn't start working out until like 25. I've been doing this since 25. I go to the gym and I just like do cardio or workout. And you work Ugh. out really hard. You really push yourself. You feel so miserable. 
but by the end like you've sweated out enough that you are you bounce back much more quickly like usually then like i shower i have coffee and breakfast and then i feel great like back to normal Ugh, i cannot believe you do that yesterday (laughs) and i was like i'm doing this like here's time to sweat it out um and I went <laughs> and I went to the gym and I got on a bike and was pushing myself and pushing myself and then I was like oh wait no I might throw up yeah. <laughs> I was like I need to get off this bike <laughs> it's like that never happened before yeah okay I'm so glad you I mean I'm not glad you experienced that but I, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because like the whole time I'm thinking how do you not just like hurl during that oh yeah so yeah. it's a new day friend I might start hurling we'll see yeah no, my also, my <laughs> remedy is to a like wake up and and wine for like half yep. an hour. That's great. And then Key. I will I will drink a Gatorade, um, <laughs> which are just I don't even drink Gatorade. I don't, but no. I have some Gatorades that are just for hangover purposes. They are just there for hangovers. So I drink a Gatorade, then I I pee pee some more. Then I convince Ryan to drive me to like wherever and get like a big ass milkshake, and then that Ugh. like usually wait no usually, solid foods come no, into this plan. Really? I mean later, later they do. But I mean if I have been drinking anyways, I guarantee you I somehow convinced somebody to give me a burger at three a.m. anyways. So you know like I don't okay need good. Food. <laughs> All right, that's like, that was my whatever. Concern. Whatever diet plan right. I've I'm been good. on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gone completely out of the out the window door, whatever orifice, whatever. Yeah, it's gone so. out of the out the orifice. Also, I've been finding too like so I have a membership to a gym that has like multiple locations throughout the city. So I use one on Monday through Friday because it's down the street from my office, and then. I used a different one on Saturday because it's closer to my apartment. And Mm -hmm. yeah, convenient. But the one, (laughs) the gym I go to on Saturday mornings, every Saturday morning, I really just do like cardio. Um, And so I get on a bike and I do like hit training and then they have TVs all up along the wall, which the other one doesn't. And they're always playing like, half the TVs are playing news and then every other TV is playing because I've been going at the same time every Saturday morning. This... (laughs) amazing like a uh, semi-documentary show about um weird animal friendships yes <laughs> and i love it it's so good and it's so fun to watch as i'm like biking a recent episode it's called something stupid like perfect friends you know what i mean where you're just like yes! oh, and like <laughs> sometimes they're really dumb like there was a recent one about a friendship between like a woman's dog and her guinea pig and I'm okay. like, lady, you are, like, conservatively 45. Like, what the fuck are you even doing with a guinea pig, A. Yeah. Um, but also, the, these are two, like, largely domesticated animals. But another recent one was about the friendship between, like, um, an unusually small donkey and a camel. <laughs> but that was the other thing I said when I woke up hungover yesterday. I looked at the clock and I went, ah, and I'm missing perfect friends. <laughs> <laughs> Concern of yours, like yes. oh no, perfect friend, perfect yeah. friends is on. Exactly. Oh, do they have one with a turtle? Like, has there ever been a turtle with a friend? Or oh, mm, I mean, I'll keep you posted. I've only been going okay. to this gym for like a month, so okay. I've only seen like three episodes. I need to know. I need to know what like possible combos are out there, right? And then like, have they ever done an episode that's like 
absolute enemies, you know, or something in their life. Oh, how fun would <laughs> that be? I mean, Maybe most of that's just like lion in this gazelle. I mean, isn't that just like most friends. of nature? Like the animal kingdom has lots of enemies. Yeah, I well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. But wouldn't it be fun if it was like animals that ostensibly should be friends, but then weren't? <laughs> yes, for some reason? you know, like, so like like what? Like Lady McPug and Bark Anthony. <laughs> 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 or like that, um, oh, it's like um, a variant of a lobster where they um, are like really expensive. They're like a delicacy and they have, they lay all these special eggs. I just saw something like an article about them or something because like they're in season right now. But okay. apparently the primary reason why they're so rare and difficult to find is because they're so difficult to like distribute because they cannot be kept in the same water tanks because they're inherently like cannibalistic against their own kinds. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, and you go like, wow, that's a real left turn. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a that's real dark there, you lobster like creatures. <laughs> yeah, like just like love your brethren, like you have yeah. days to live, like <laughs> enjoy well, you something. Know, Male, male hamsters are like that too. They can't be in the same cage. They will kill each other. Really? How do male yeah. hamsters kill each other? Look at those tiny teeth. Yeah, they. Well, I know how they do it because I've I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I've laid these two eyes on it. It's a okay. fact. This is this is my uh, blind hamster I've story. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. So I've told this story. You know the blind hamster thing, right? The blind hamster? You, I've told you this story. I know you've heard this. Maybe. It might come back to me. Okay. Should I tell it again just in case? Yes. Okay. So, all right. Just keep in mind that, like, as kids, we were, we didn't understand about, like, animal cruelty stuff or that, like, you know, like, we didn't understand that. We did not get that. Um, and I, I obviously don't approve of this behavior now. But my brother and I both had a male hamster, but they were kept in separate cages, and so one day we were like, oh, let's put them together and make them be friends. And so they got in there and they started, like, fighting. And they, um, like, they would both, like, rear up on their, like, little hind leg things and, like, just, like, they scratch can do at that? each other. Whoa. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen, I think it's the first Ninja Turtles where, like, Master Splinter <laughs> both. Like, no, you know I've only seen Secret of the Ooze, which uh, I know is, like, a weird choice. Well, in the first one, they give a backstory to, like, before Splinter got the ooze on him. And it's just, like, this little rat, like, standing up on his hind legs. And he's doing ninja moves because he's, like, learning ninja um, practices. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, so it's like that, though. So, um, what happened then, sadly, so we, and we, we only let him fight for, like, a few minutes. But my hamster, like, certainly lost. Like, it lost. Aww. And it, um... Like, oh, this is sad. It, it it could no longer see. It could no longer see due to this fight. And my brother and I... Like, was it tough to break up the fight? It's like you're not supposed to break up dog fights because you can get Yeah. Into- yeah. Like, we were scared. Also, we were like <laughs> seven, you know? So we were like, yeah. what do we do? Um, so anyway, so now I have this, like, this hamster that cannot see, right? Um, so then... This hamster, like, hamsters aren't supposed to live this long, but this dang hamster just, like, lived forever. Like, he just, like, kept kept on, kept it on. Keep it yeah, on. Dude, kept I had on, a beta fish on. like that. Yeah. You're like, okay, internet says you should have been dead four years ago. Like a long you time ago. around. So I had a beta fish that I got in high school, and 
died right before I left for grad school. So what's that, like yeah. eight years or something? Yeah, well, same situation with this hamster. I um, was in high school at this point, and it's still around. Mm-hmm. It's in its cage. Uh, so one night, uh, the next morning, so it's like a, it's a weekend, and I have to, um, because I'm a nerd, the next morning I have to get up really early and go compete in academic decathlon. Right, so I've got to like go get on the bus, <laughs> yeah. Go like you know do my my academic thing, and um, my brother is having a slumber party the same night. Okay, so it's like 9 oh, no. p.m. I'm nervous now. Friday night, and I um, I have my own room at this point, and um, I have you know this blind hamster, and my brother's in his room with his friends, and then suddenly I hear this like loud like thump, and I'm like trying to go to sleep, and I was like son of a bitch. So I run into my brother's room and I was like, y'all better be quiet. Quit thumping around. Yeah. And they like looked at me like legitimately scared and they were like, we're just playing video games. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, shut up. So I go back to my room (laughs) and I like five minutes later, I hear this, the second, like just really loud thump. And I was like, no. And so I run back and I like scream at them. And I yell at them so much. Um, And then finally, (laughs) I go back to my room. I lay down. I, like, start to fall asleep. And then suddenly, this, like, furry thing falls on my face. And it's my blind hamster who has escaped his cage. And each thump was him falling off of a a subsequent shelf. (laughs) (laughs) You never told me this. And hitting hitting something and then like bumbling and trying to get to freedom this like poor ancient blind yeah hamster and he just like and it was the most horrifying thing to like be almost asleep and then suddenly for this like furry thing right to land right on your face uh so yeah anyways to ask him like are you sure you want freedom like are you sure you're set up for that life (laughs) Are you sure you're ready, dude? Because I'm pretty sure you have a concussion now. (laughs) Like the hamster version of a concussion. Um, (laughs) So anyways, I, yeah, I just, he had bent some wires on his wire cage. I put them back and I put them back in and um, he lived for like another year. So, you know, like, yeah, hung out. I don't even remember his name. Isn't that sad? Really? Yeah, I don't know what I named him. That is sad. Yeah. Boo. Anyway. And by sad, I mean so. pathetic. No, mm. I'm kidding. Um, no, but really. So, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. And my poor brother and his friends were like, dang, Jake's sister's a bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like really uncalled um, for. Uncalled for. How did for. we get on this topic? Oh, perfect friends. Right. Hamsters are not perfect friends with friends. each other. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. And now, now I know very, very well that they are not <laughs> compatible. <laughs> so, um, but my, my dogs are not friends at all. And in fact, Bark Anthony right now has a, um, like, a boo-boo on his neck because he keeps, like, getting up in Lady McPug's face. And Lady McPug, like myself, is getting old and curmudgeonly. And mm-hmm. so, like, the other night we walked in and she just, like, had his neck in her pug snout. Like, oh she doesn't... My God. 
She doesn't even, like, have teeth, really. I mean, she does, but, like, you know, like, they don't open. Like, her mouth doesn't open very much, but she just, like, yeah, she was about to kill him, so. (laughs) 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 Gotta watch those two now. That's the end of that story. (laughs) Yeah, animals, man. I'm trying to think of a transition, but I don't think there's a single animal in the movie we watched. No, sadly, right? no. There weren't any cats or dogs, just lots of children. Like, too many. So many children. And can we say, how in the hell are you going to have, like, five or six kids and also a full-time job and also be having these crazy orgies with Jack Nicholson? Like, where do you get the time for that? Like, where? Yeah. Like, what's so happening here? So, in the novel, here? in the novel, like, they are framed as, like... <laughs> Just, like, quintessential, like, 60s parents who, like, have complete disregard for their children. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They'll have, like, fleeting moments where they're like, oh, where are my kids, you know? (laughs) And, like, that's it. Okay, well, that that context helps because I found that to be Mm -hmm. so unrealistic in this movie. Um, Which, by the way, is, is so creepy and yet delightful, right? Like... Dude, I had a great time watching this movie. Yeah. So Sorry, um, we're talking about now 1986's uh, The Witches of Eastwick. Yes. So it's so. a loose adaptation of the John Updike novel. I had read that novel in college. I actually just bought a used copy because I made me want to reread it because I don't have the best memory of it. But I remember thinking it was like a super interesting book. Okay. I've never read the book. Um Though my, like, brief Wikipedia research that I did (laughs) said that the movie does differ from the book in terms of, I mean, especially in terms of tone, right? So that, like, the book is a lot darker. Um, Uh, Definitely in terms of the ending and some of the plotting of it. And the other, I think the other piece, too, is, like, I think John Updike generally right now is, like, not in favor. He's kind of fallen away, at least academically, not really in the canon, um, for Why a is whole that? host of, well, I think a whole host of reasons, you know, like one is like when we think about where the canon is, it's it's very much tied to sort of like identity and cultural identity as like the mm. lens that we are most interested in right now. And that makes sense. That's apropos. Um, and so you go, okay, like, well, mid-century, like the three kind of titans of like American letters were like John Updike, Philip Roth and Don DeLillo. And you go, okay, well, Philip Roth has continued because he's also... I'm writing a lot about like Jewish culture and cultural legacy and things like that. Whereas right. these these three authors of like the suburbs um, otherwise have sort of started to fade away. Don DeLillo really is only taught as like this sort of just like representative of like the American postmodern novel. Yeah. Um, so like White Noise is more an object lesson in some ways than like an author who's really studied. Um, okay. And then John Updike kind of has just fallen away. Um, also, okay. like, he's very frequently been, I mean, all three of them have been criticized of being, like, really leaning hard into, like, a white male lens and not being good writers of women and actually being, like, misogynistic. Um, Witches of Eastwick actually now has sort of, like, gotten that legacy. And I think right. that's the reason I wanted to reread it because I'm curious to see, like, if that is the case or if that was more of a sort of like sort of flip in charge level to him for that book and like it, it it's interesting when you look up reviews that there's like quite a bit of debate about um whether this is sort of just like um a, a book that fails to understand sort of women or feminism or whether like those charges are actually like misunderstanding the books and, and it's doing actually something a lot more sly and clever 
Okay, so. yeah. I'd be interested to, to hear what you think about that, right? Like, cause yeah. that, that does seem highly, highly relevant. And then to think about how the movie fits into that narrative, right? Or if, like, some of these reviewers are responding to not just the book, but to, like, the kind of overall legacy of the book, right? Well, um, you talk about relevance, though. Like, this felt like a Me Too movie that just happened to be made, like, decades earlier. Mm, mm. Yeah, interesting. Say like, more about that. Okay, so the movie opens. Actually, I'm going to quickly pull up IMDb so I remember everyone's names. So I don't just say, like, Cher and Michelle Pfeiffer the entire time. So it's it's uh, Sookie, Jane, Alexandra? and Alex. Yeah, yeah. But she goes by Alex. So yeah. Cher is Alex. Um, Susan Sarandon is Jane. And Michelle Pfeiffer is Sookie. Um, there are just three women who are all happen to be single at this point in time, um, living in the same sort of like New England <laughs> sort of fishing town. Like there's something sort of old. It doesn't yeah. seem like a, a terribly like modern or contemporary town, very much a small town, New England feel. Um, Alex has kids or a kid. I, I like. I, I only remember. saw the daughter. So she. Yeah, so you see like her at like the daughter. very beginning of the movie, and that's it. Um, yeah. Otherwise, like, yeah, the daughter's like getting old enough. She's more independent. She's divorced. She is. Um, uh, she makes pottery and different sculptures. And then Actually, Jane Alex's is this husband, sort of. Sorry, just Alex's husband had died, so that's oh, like really? just one difference. Yeah. So the Shoot, other sorry. two. No, it's okay. Yeah, you're it's right. Just, She's a widow, technically, and um, Jane has just gotten divorced, and Suki's uh, partner just, like, ran out on her because she had too many kids. Yeah, and they say at one point that Jane's husband left her because she couldn't have kids. Right. Um, And Suki's husband left her because she had too many. Um, And she has, like, a horde of children. But, and then Jane is also sort of, like, this very uptight, very rigid mu- musician, blah, blah, blah. Um, they all seem rather bored with their lives, and their their lives, it, there's so much suggestion for all of them that they have so much more potential and talent, but it's being stymied by these different sort of, like, creepy, sexually aggressive men. And that's what yeah. feels me too-ish to me, where you go, okay, Susan Sarandon should be doing a lot more. She's this very talented musician, and instead she's stuck on this sort of like part-time contracted work as like a substitute music teacher. And the guy who, I guess the principal of the school who will not allow her to be sort of full-time is sort of holding over her head like her getting dinner with him or something, yeah. right? And like, yeah. He's, yeah. And then same thing for um, Suki at the newspaper. Do you wanna say more about that? Yeah, please do, yeah. Oh, I said, do you want to to. say more? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said, should I say more about that? Yeah, so, um, so Sookie's kind of given these, like, very, you know, cookie cutter, um, very small town assignments at the local newspaper, uh, and she has this weird thing where, um, her boss is another, you know, like, white dude, but he's, like, married to a fanatic. He's married to this woman named Felicia, um, I'm going to say something kind of weird here, which is, like, I didn't think she was that bad. Like, I actually don't know I didn't know either. Why. She's a lot worse in the novel. Yeah, okay. Like, in the movie, the this Felicia character, like, it kind of seems like she wants to save them. Like, she doesn't... Like, she's not yeah. against evil... Or she's, she's not necessarily against them having a good time it's just that she knows right like through divine inspiration or something that 
Jack Nicholson's character is the devil, right? So, well, um, and I think that's where like some of that like Me Too sophistication comes in because like then you go, and I promise I'm going to stop saying Me Too. It's <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ostensibly, you go okay. So like they are being they have to put up with all this sort of workplace harassment and they have to navigate the sort of like sexual advances or at least um, Jane does of uh, this boss. And then they meet Daryl Van Horn, who comes to town, who is, is sort of helping them sort of like liberate them and get them in touch with their powers. Um, and this is not giving much of anything away. Like, I feel like the cover of the movie gives us away, like, only mm-hmm. to find that, like, he ultimately is also using them and sort of trying to trick them into, um, like, a sort of domestication. Right. Exactly. And so, like, the fact that there's just, like, layers and layers <laughs> of trying to, like, these women trying to sort of free themselves and, like, come into their own. Um, it feels like a very contemporary narrative in that way. Yeah, I, I would agree. Right. And it's like. How can we imagine a future that's not tied to, you know, patriarchal strictures, right? Like, how can we? Um, And it's so interesting, too, that there's a lot of, like, shaming that goes on in this movie as well, right? So Mm -hmm. um, when they are up at the mansion with Daryl, they get called sluts, right? They get, like, talked about in the newspaper. Sookie gets fired, right? Like, there are so many repercussions to, you know, what, you know, is... Like, just a liberating experience, at least initially, right? Before they realize that Daryl also wishes to corral them in, right? So, yeah, um, uh, yeah it's uh, it's really fascinating, too, the way in which... So, just, to, just for listeners who maybe haven't seen this movie, um, the broad outline is that each woman is um, having sex with Daryl, and there's there's initially, and we'll talk about the scene in a moment. Initially, some tension about that. So initially, the yeah. four women or three women are like, "What? Um, he's mine!" But that goes away so quickly. And what it becomes instead is a polyamorous relationship, right? Um, or, or like at least Daryl gets each woman. Um, unclear if they also are engaging in sex with each other or not. But you know, whatever. Um, but. You know, like, there's, once there's that, like, initial friction, after that goes away, they're completely fine with being in this relationship, right? That it's, yeah. um, it's uh, exciting, and they each get to, in a different way, manifest their own personalities. Uh, and you see this not only with, like, how they react to Daryl, but also, like, in terms of costuming, right? In terms of, like, <laughs> what each is kind of, like, priorities become, right? So, um... I don't know. Well, it I was just fascinating to see that. And I think an interesting thing, too, is like to think about, like, okay, yes, he does help them sort of, like, un- unlock some of their passions, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. But um, it, it ties back, though, to, like, the degree to which, like, they have maybe summoned him, right? Because there is this sort of ambiguous scene where the three of them are together on, like, a, a dark and stormy night, and they start sort of speculating on the sort of type of man they want. Right. Um, which, by and, the way, like, is is really about his penis. Like, yes. <laughs> like I was also most... like, did they just, like, weird science the devil? Like, is that what I'm supposed to take from this moment? Yes, they did, but it's, it's weird science the <laughs> devil, but specifically... I mean, they say, okay, they say, like, oh, he can't be too handsome. They don't want him to be too handsome. Yeah. Uh, which is funny, because then, like, Jack Nicholson Yeah, you got what you wanted. And, yeah. And, but they, but they, they focus so much on his anatomy. And what I find really interesting about just that is, like, 
okay, this is not, they're not conjuring somebody to um, marry or to be with forever, right? They're conjuring somebody for pleasure. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, sorry to interrupt, but like that, I thought no, was like that's really, great. really key to reading this movie in a certain way. Uh, so they conjure him. Yeah. Um, but then they do find, yeah, they're they're all initially off-put by him, right? Because he is sort of an off-putting presence. He's not terribly attractive. He, like, snores really loudly during um, Jane's, like, performance. And, like, <laughs> and he's sort of, like, obnoxious. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, like, they all find themselves in different ways, like, weirdly drawn to him. Right. Um, yeah, and I don't know, he helps them, they all like, they all sort of like come into their own in different ways, and it seems like there's something, you're right, like there's a sort of like really positive, beneficial, like polyamorous relationship that blooms. Um, what becomes weird though is, do you wanna say more about like some of the side effects of this relationship? Uh, so do you mean just like how much control he has over them? Is that what you're referring to, or? Oh, uh, well, I guess there's like, two things in my mind one is you brought up felicia before so they are kind of is it knowingly or unknowingly the more they are sort of like fall under his spell the closer they get to him like they are inadvertently um sort of like punishing felicia through different sort of forms of witchcraft so she's like coughing up feathers and coughing up what else does she cough up cherries or cherry pits that was so gross um and she's getting more and more sort of hysterical to the point where richard jenkins who is suki's um boss and felicia's husband like gets literally driven crazy by her and like in a moment of like madness like kills her Right. And it's very clear. So this is happening in a like kind of parallel scene where the three women are lounging about. They're talking about um, what they, you know, like fear, essentially, like what they're kind of um, what like, you know, what their what their triggers are. And they're eating cherries as they do. And Daryl keeps saying, have another cherry. And it's so creepy because then the camera will cut to Felicia um, choking up or eventually very grossly vomiting up um, these cherry pits, right? And it's this the sense that, yes, they're causing it, but they're not consciously out to get her in the way that Daryl is, right? That Daryl is seeking to solve this problem of, um, you know, this um, Debbie do-gooder, right? But um, they they aren't as you know evilly inclined as as Daryl is. So when they find out that Felicia has died, that's actually the the moment where they say, "Whoa, is this because of our power? Are we going too far with it?" Right, and that's what kind of puts the puts the brakes on it a little bit. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember in the book too. Like I feel, in my memory at least, they were more like intentionally torturing this woman but oh maybe interesting interesting yeah but yeah. that's where like then they they once once um richard jenkins kills felicia that's when they're like sort of like then unnerved by this relationship and they decide they need to maintain some distance from daryl for a bit mm-hmm. um and it's that point that he starts like torturing them he becomes like such a baby he's just like yes um, he's just like he loses it he completely loses it uh the character uh, you know, Jack, and I think Jack Nicholson like plays this perfectly, right? Like yeah. his hair becomes more and more frazzled. He becomes more just like um, unkempt, right? And um, it's clear that like what was in it for him was this kind of pure control 
over all three women, right? Um, to such an extent that he decides to to torture Suki uh, to get them back. Yeah. And so then they realize, like, there needs to be this sort of, like, showdown then. They mm-hmm. either need to, like, go back um, and then just become, like, his kind of possessions. Like, because, like, who is it? It's um, Alex who goes back to see him. And what he yells at her is something like, I I forget. I didn't write down the actual thing. But, like, you're right. It's, it's this very, like, infantile, like, statement that, like, I didn't get what I want. I'm not happy. That's why right. everyone needs to suffer. Yeah, like, um, I just want to be loved and worshipped and, yeah, all of that, yes. right? Um, he's like, is it too much to ask? And it's like, well, I, it kind of is, dude. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you have these three gorgeous women who want to live their own lives and you're, you know, literally torturing them. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a lot. That's a lot to ask. Um so he, I mean, it's to such an extent, right? And this is where he realized that this power isn't just, um, you know, it's not just leisurely. It's not just mundane. Um, it's not just flying through the air kind of power. But, like, Suki is, is truly, like, her life is in danger, right? And I thought yeah. it was so cruel that the he's way like literally she's, destroying her insides yeah and like i mean given that she's so you know like she even says right like um i'm fertile i'm you know i'm like too fertile i'm i'm known for you know being over you know overabundant essentially and and i always get pregnant um and then to to torture her through this like extended miscarriage essentially right yeah. was i thought so cruel um and yeah so it's and it's hard it's hard to to watch at that moment even right um so um alex goes to kind of make him stop and um that's when they decide right that they're going to well also also though right one of the reasons that that kind of furthers their desire to to get rid of him is that they find out of course all three of them are pregnant uh with his child um with his demon spawn (laughs) um so they decide and to. And they would be then like domesticated. Right, exactly. Uh, so they decide to do kind of an old fashioned uh, spell, right? Like they're going to actually like read a, a spell book, which, by the way, no clue where that came from. <laughs> they just what like do you had mean? one. Like the spell book. Um, like... No, it was Daryl's. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so, they... so then they decide to sort of like trick him where they pretend like they're all coming back and that they missed him so much, everything. And so they have like one sort of night of like. Of, I guess just like orgiastic sex I guess like it's not yeah. really it's just like whatever they do they do um, and then the next day he goes into town to get them like bagel and locks yeah <laughs> um, and I was like mm, fair um, <laughs> so once he leaves they quickly like run through the house to gather all these ingredients to make like a wax voodoo doll of him and mm-hmm. then I think one of I forget which I think it's Suki you see her run to his library and get from like this glass case Um, You would know what it's called. It's like Maleficus. It's uh, that famous like. Is it Malleus Maleficarum? Yes, that one. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes, Um, and it's like through that that they get the idea for the voodoo doll, and they start torturing him. Okay. All right. I guess I like missed that part or blinked on that part. Uh, But in any case, they do get this text, and um, it's quite hilarious. Like their attempts to do kind of formal spellbinding is, is really, it's kind of, I mean, I, th- I thought that was of, 
a funny moment, but then you do have to admit that, you know, this this movie has been dark comedy up to this point, right? So that you mm-hmm. have a lot of tension between some of these issues we're talking about with subjugation, but also, of course, there's a lot of moments of humor. Nonetheless, then I think uh, it kind of descends into farce at this point, right? That, you yes. know, the... the um, spell against Daryl is so effective. He's like walking through town, coughing up feathers, barfing all over the place. Uh, he and like it becomes more like special effects driven yeah, in a lot of ways. And right. yeah, this is a big criticism I was seeing of the movie generally. And I, I, I agree. Like it, it becomes a little like sillier and just more like a generic, just sort of like special effects showdown. Yeah, so, um, I mean, he does stumble into the church, which is is funny in a way, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, Felicia, was, Felicia was right, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so then he returns. He, like, somehow gets back to the, the mansion up on the hill. Um, and we have this kind of final confrontation uh, but nonetheless, they, they, in this process of, you know, like special effects, wind blowing, yelling, etc., cetera, uh, they, they destroy his, at least his physical body, right? They, yeah. they get rid of it. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like the big climax of the movie. But then we get, we get the, the after, aftermath of that. Yeah. So a couple things here. One is he has like, I'm Okay. I don't know what the word is to use to describe his servant. Like, oh. I know, like, traditionally, it would be, like, he's styled to look like a sort of, like, Lawrence of Arabia era, like, Sikh. Uh, yes. Is it Sikh or Sikh? Sikh? I think it's Sikh. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Sikh? Do you think it's Sikh? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. My ignorance is coming through here. Um, I know, same. Um, uh, I've never said the word out loud. I've only seen it in, like, criticism. Um he essentially what happens is once they destroy Daryl, they just like inherit the mansion. Like so, mm-hmm. they become they just start living there and raising their kids there. They also inherit his servant, which is yeah, odd. yeah. Um, that kind of jumped out to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but one of the things we see is that like, and I think it's one of the final scenes of the movie is that he, all the kids are like sort of in these like walkers or. Uh, wheelie toys and they're kind of finding themselves these babies find themselves like drawn to his TV room and once they get and in there, all the, the babies are male on. right like that's I think important too. oh it's yes like, they're all little boys yes and essentially then once they're in the room the TV's all turned to Daryl's face and he says oh perfect my plan's like coming along or something like I forget what he says something mm-hmm. about like how he's going to sort of raise them up and, and help raise them and, and he keeps saying like women, come to daddy like he, like he yeah, actually is like come to daddy which is gross yes <laughs> and then the, the women come in with remote control and they just turn off the TV and that's how it ends but you mm-hmm. go like that's also like a cop out of an ending like yes it ends the movie because when they hit the button to turn off the TV, like the movie's screen sort of turns off as well and we go to credits. Right. right. But it's also an evasion of the biggest sort of ambiguity of the film, right? Where it's yeah. like, well, at the end of the day, like what what have they escaped from or what have they been able to change? Yeah. Like and they're finding themselves now with more kids now in this like yes, there is it's they maybe are raising them in this matriarchal way. But 
they're still finding themselves now stuck child rearing, which is the thing they're sort of resentful of in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, though, because, like, at least for Jane, she couldn't get pregnant before, and it's it seemed like, at the very least, that this was a desire that she had. Uh, so, I, I don't know, you're right, but I, I don't think the movie is condemning this this new type of matriarchal domestication, right? That it's it's somehow, no, no. I don't think it's condemning. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Um, I think we're condemning it, but I think the the movie's like, no, everything's good, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. No. Totally. Um. So yeah, but then you do have to wonder, like, so at that kind of as they're lounging about, um, at the mansion, Jane herself says, like, oh, I miss him, right? And you're like, oh, okay, creepy. But also, you know, like, are you ultimately suggesting that, you know, this Daryl has some sort of role still to play in your lives? Or, you know, is it, like, are you ever going to find sexual fulfillment again? Or is that not the yes. point, right? Like, um, it's, yeah, again, it's, it's the ending is a cop-out, but it's also left ambiguous in terms of, like, what this future looks like. Yes, agreed. Like it's it's like a like a Howard Zen sort of issue, or it's just like it all's going to come down to like who inherits the the house. Like who yeah. are these boys going to grow up to be? Are they going to take after their mothers or their father? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, yeah, who knows? Uh, but it's really frightening that there are now potentially three additional Jack Nicholsons out in the world, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Unnerving. Uh, can I tell you my, my the creepiest moment in this whole movie for me? I mean, yes. Jack Nicholson is so creepy, but he... It's when Sookie's telling him that she... I, I think it's when Sookie tell, is telling him this, or it might be when he's seducing Alex, but he says... He's like, I wish I was a woman. Women's bodies are amazing. Oh, yes. He's like, y'all can make babies and have babies in you and give babies milk. And it's like, oh, stop I saying know, babies. Like, must we? <laughs> stop. Oh, it's too much. It's, ugh. Yeah. So it's mega, mega creepy at that moment. But I mean, throughout. And, that, and that's his character. He's cultivating that, that, um, like repellent but but nonetheless overwhelming sensuality and that's you know like that's jack nicholson himself right so <laughs> he's yeah. not really acting at that moment um he's just playing himself uh but anyways I it, know, is, it is so hard to tell you're just like well yeah what is jack nicholson doing when he's on screen <laughs> like he has this like magnanimous presence in a lot of ways but i always feel the same way like oh he's just doing the jack nicholson but you go right. like what if he's a well i know he's not a different person in real life but um, cause there's enough like stories and interviews with him, but yeah, like <laughs> he has really just like mastered this like one persona that tends to be very powerful <laughs> on yeah. screen. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, it's funny. He, um, I, I read, uh, for the first time this week, I read the postman always rings twice. I'd never read it before. <gasps> I've never and, read it either. I've only seen the uh, movie. It's so good. I mean, it's, it's very, very short and it's, it's great, but, um, then I, of course, I watched rewatched the movie, you know, just because I was like, ah, I finished the book. I'm, I'm going to remind myself of what the movie does. Mm -hmm. But when I was looking for the movie, apparently he stars in an 80s remake of the movie. Yeah, with Jessica Lange. <laughs> yeah, and I'm very, very tempted to watch it. Have you seen it? No, I've never seen it. I've only seen the original. 
Okay, so I, I'm just I'm tempted to to see how Nicholson uh, plays, you know, um, Frank Chambers. But uh, anyways, yes, that we should that just might make happen. Up a- yeah, let's just make up a, a, an excuse to make a season that includes <laughs> that. <laughs> I would love that. Like, bad yes. noir updates or something. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so anyways. The, the only other thing, like, okay, actually two different courses here. One is that um, I'm looking at my notes, and the two things we didn't talk about were, first of all, the, our introduction to Michelle Pfeiffer, to Suki, is that her kids are hungry and they're asking for food and she's like I'm gonna make you sandwiches or peanut butter and jelly and they're really suspicious and they're like what kind of jelly and she says zucchini jelly yeah like what the fuck what is that? <laughs> I think it's just that she's trying to be like some sort of like organic type like hippie-ish person because like yeah you do see her in this like gorgeous home garden um, but of course, like the kids just want peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and so she's Fair like, made, um, this you know zucchini bullshit something. Yeah, that yeah. was just. I mean, that's my reading of that. Is like, why? Um, I think it's to establish her kind of like, you know, her like hippie ish yeah, like, uh, type of. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And the other thing that I was going to say that I saw in my notes is that, like, one, this is a movie filled with, like, really fun performances. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone, I mean, everyone looks like they're having a great time, and everyone is so enjoyable to watch in this movie. And I feel like the one performance that could get lost in the sauce here is, like, that random old woman who is, like, the shopkeeper that um, (laughs) I to talk to. Yes! I don't know why, but I was like, this is a riveting performance. (laughs) Because she's talking about, like, she says that, like, when she sees Daryl, she starts having n- naughty thoughts, like, for the first time in years. And you're like, I know. Yeah. And, like, this is a woman refinding herself before yes. our eyes. It was, I love it. I couldn't, I couldn't look away. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then when she, like, startles herself and is, like, when she's, like, so the one of the things is, like, everyone meets him, but no one can remember his name for, like, before he gets to town. Um, mm-hmm. And so shares wants to know his name. So she says, well, did you get his name? And, he, and she's, like, of course I did. His name is, and then she, like, seems to be, like, moved or, like, she shudders with horror that she can't remember the name. And there's, like, this wave of, like, something ominous that passes over her face. And I was, like, ugh. Yes. This is a master class. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was just focused on her talking about the dirty bits, but you know. Yeah, that, that too. Was, that, that was where I was. My my brain went. So and you know um, what? Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but okay, I guess like the so, only other thing I would say then is like this movie. Oh, sorry, I just cut you off. No, I was just I was wrapping it up. So you so go for it. Well, the only thing I was going to say is, like, okay, so to bring it back to, like, the through line that we've had for the last few episodes is, one is, like, well, one, we've seen a huge jump in progress. Oh, I guess so. Maybe not. About terms of, like, female friendships and female sort of solidarity, right? Yeah, That's always been kind of, like, a very torn thing here. We do see, like, very close female friendships here, but then, Mm -hmm. like, their treatment of Felicia is a little weird, but... But for the most part, at least, like, their relationship... Uh, among the three of them is is strong Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so um very like kind of more coven like than we've seen i suppose yes for sure yeah no that's a great way to put it this is the first time it's the first time we've seen like 
multiple witches practicing together. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess we yeah. did see everyone in Bell Book and Candle when they burnt the photo, but it was that felt different. Yeah. No, I think this is this is this has a different resonance to it in terms of like sisterhood type of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, because like the only opportunity, like there that those two women in Bell Book and Candle were like cross generational, and like the one opportunity for sisterhood was actually like um, Kim Novak and Jimmy Stewart's fiance and like that did not go anywhere yeah um the other thing i was going to say too is like this movie is very much thinking about witchcraft femininity and domesticity and do you see it doing anything sort of different or novel or um shifting in any way from like some of the early movies we watched well i think i mean ultimately they're not they're not tamed in the same way, right? Yeah. There's not a, mm-hmm. like like we said, there's not a heterosexual pairing at the end. And so that, to me, is refreshing, right? Like, that you could read this as, like, yeah, this is our fucking mansion now. This is our servant. Like, we get, we get everything. And, you know, the price we paid for that was to uh, subjugate our bodies for a while and to, you know, risk our lives, essentially, um saving Sookie but we we made it through and you know now we're we're good with our billions of children here so um yeah <laughs> so that's I think, I think that one because way you could read it the novel came out in the 80s but it took place in the 60s I want to say or maybe the 70s mm. okay. um and here this looks like an 80s movie that takes place in the 80s and so it is in some ways just like a direct expression of like how the filmmakers understood like possibility in the 80s and you go okay Mm. like 40 years since i married a witch and it seems like there's less like you're right there's that shaming from the small town but they seem to pretty quickly like just shirk that off and 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 sort of look pretty optimistically towards the future right like there's no anxiety about reintegration of the witch i guess is the way to put it right that there's um once we know that we have these witches, there's there's not a need to then say, okay, but how do we contain them? Um, right, and that's cool. The other reason, though, we don't have any anxiety about reintegration is because there's no coupling. Like, we're also right. envisioning, like, a future without men. Right. Right? Or yeah. at least without, like, domestic uh, male partners. Yeah. You know, like, no one's trying to settle down. No one's getting married. They're just sort of uh, starting a sort of collective together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds good. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, sign me up. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, well, that's it. That's all I have. That's that's uh, The Witches of Eastwick. Right on. So, yeah, keep us posted, Sam, on uh, if you do get to re- reread the book and, uh, yeah, return to it. Sounds good. Cool. Okay, so I will. Will do. Um, and then, yeah, what? What are you obsessed with? <laughs> Do I have an obsession? I read like a really shitty book. I didn't like it all. Oh, no! you know what I recommend is a book I read just before that. Let me really quickly pull up the author's name. The novel is called The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. Mackay. Okay. Um, I read it for a book club that one of my coworkers from Google um, invited me to. Um, so I'll meet. Uh, we'll discuss it in, I guess, like two weeks, so maybe more to come from that. But um, the book was great. It, uh, it's really um, super moving and affecting and, and really largely really well written. And it's about um, 
essentially like the a, a group of like sort of like close-knit gay friends in Chicago in like the 80s like the mid 80s like all facing and coming in terms of like the outbreak and like very quick spread of of AIDS um, mm. and it does a little bit of like chronological jumping around so one of the characters there's like every chapter um, jumps between like the 1980s and then like 2015 okay. following like one of the characters as they're concerned about something completely different and so it essentially gives you the opportunity to see like the sort of like full history of AIDS playing out either like centrally or peripherally um, huh. And it was great. I've, I thought it was really good. It was really affecting. Um, so, yeah, recommend. What's it called again? Uh, the Great Believers. The Great Believers. Okay, cool. Hmm. All right. Right on. How about you? Uh, so, mine is, I'm going to bring it down now. Um, <laughs> yes. So, uh, I got another video game <laughs> called. Which one? Okay, so it's called The Untitled Goose Game. The Untitled Goose Game? Goose, yeah. The premise is, you are a goose, and you are such a dick. You are just, like, you are going into this town, and, like, your only goal is to just, like, fuck with people. Just, like, straight up, like... Like steal things and honk at people. Shut and, like, up! That sounds amazing. Lives. It is so much fun. And because ruin it's their like, lives. It's like all these little puzzles. So like you're like this. Like obviously you're a goose. So like you can't like, you know, like you can't do things straightforwardly. And so it's like lock yeah, you a can't, kid. You can't turn door handles. So right, right. So like one of them's like lock a lock a kid in a phone booth, and it like took me forever to figure <laughs> out how to do it. But essentially what you do is, like, you get your goose and you get your um, bill stuck in a, like, empty bottle. And then it magnifies your honking. And then you chase the kid and he gets so scared he, like, flees into the phone booth. <laughs> and it's just, like, things <laughs> like that. And it's so funny. Like, it's just, it's so much fun to just be, like, I don't that know. Like, hilarious. how can I, like, just really fuck with these people? Um, so anyways, and so Ryan and I have been playing it together, which is really fun. Because uh, he doesn't normally play video games, and so it's fun to, like, have him participate as but well. But with something this good, can't yes, stay away. exactly. And Lady McPug hates it. Like, she thinks that goose is real. <laughs> she thinks that goose is out to get her. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pure delight. It's a lot of fun. Oh, my God. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. So, Untitled Goose Game is what it's called. I'm gonna look this up. You should. <laughs> cool. Anyway, so next week we have Teen Witch, and then after that, I can't wait. Is The Witches, which is like the best movie, so I can't wait to talk about yes. that. Yes, I've never seen Teen Witch. I haven't either. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, looking forward to talking about it. Have a great yeah, yeah. dinner tonight. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. See you on the. Other oh side. yeah. All that. All that biz. Yeah. Okay. S Bye. Bye. Doot.